0: Even podcasts, whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.
2: All right, should we move on to Take Flight and do all of our All Star talk there?
0: Yeah, let's do it. Let's
2: do it. All right. Take flight. So, this is the section of the podcast when we go around the league or just some quick hits with the Celtics themselves. But obviously, the Celtics had a really prime position in all star weekend, starting with Jalen Brown and the dunk contest. Quick takeaways from you guys Did Jalen Brown do more to help or hurt the cause of bringing more stars into the dunk contest? Because this has been a very divisive issue. It's been, um, Maybe more negative feedback than you think somebody like Jalen Brown would get in the dunk contest.
3: I actually thought he did pretty good. I mean, uh, I know there was a lot of um, Twitter pushback. Uh but the dunks he was he was doing were not easy. Um I, part of it may be like something like when he did the whole Terrence Clark tribute on the the video uh floor, I guess. Um that was really cool, but People outside of Boston may not understand the significance of that moment. Um, but even outside of that, I thought the dunks were athletic. He he wasn't doing just easy stuff. Uh when you saw it on replay, I was like, oh, actually this was this was pretty good. So I thought I thought it was actually I thought it was a good effort. I but Mac McClung, I I agree with him him winning overall. I think uh, the one he did where he like he let go of the ball and then got it again. That was like that was cool. So you, you have to give him props for that.
4: I thought it was cool too. I thought he had some cool dunks and he walked away healthy, which is obviously the most important thing. But like, I love how he used the, the kind of the dunk contest as like a vehicle to really like kind of show his creativity. Like Jalen really takes pride in like being a creative guy and, doing all that like with the left-handed dunk the Terrence Clark like that stuff was really cool to me I did think some of the scores were a little bit higher than maybe they should have been and I think maybe that might have been a little star power favoritism there where they're kind of throwing him a bone being like all right you're helping us out participating we're going to help you out by giving you a couple extra points but I thought it was cool uh, I thought some of them were a little bit overjudged, judged but um, I thought he did a good job
2: to be honest like it was kind of underwhelming to me in the moment. I, I think a lot of the meaning, as you said, Esteban, like behind the dunks got lost on some of the audience in the crowd. And I think it's about putting on a show. You know, I always think of Blake Griffin with the Kia and the choir and all that. And it's like, you know, it doesn't have to be a serious thing. I thought it was great when Mac McClung brought out Shaq to dunk over Shaq. I'm like, That's it. Like, that's the headline. You dunked over Shaq that that when you can explain the dunk in one sentence like that, I think that's really what carries a lot more weight than anything. So I give Jalen like all the props in the world for doing it. I give him props for his media availability yesterday when somebody asked him about it. And he's like, yeah, if no other stars do it again next year. Like, F it. I'll do it again. Like, I love that he's making it something of why are other guys in the league afraid of it? I like that attitude from Jalen a lot. I just maybe bring a little bit more of something into it because what is this? This streamer guy, Justin, like, does this guy mean anything to you? The guy sitting I, in the chair is like a YouTuber streaming at Kai Sinet or whatever his name I is? had
4: never heard of him until I okay, saw that. That makes I've me feel better never heard his name
2: because i'm like is this cool is it are people watching this on youtube as he probably like I, those guys make a ton of money but, but i'm like i
4: did see something that he's only like he's like right around five feet so nobody was really <laughs> like impressed with it because of how short he is
2: yeah i saw a lot of people being like okay so jalen brown dunked over a child which was my original idea with jalen brown dunking over yeah. deuce i don't even think deuce was there that was been better
3: but was was that dunk uh, when when the guy was sitting? Was he further out than like the guys who when they were standing? It looked like he may have been a little further out, uh, or or was that just my perception?
4: He might have been. I don't remember. I don't remember yeah. how far he was to be honest.
3: Yeah, that's fair. I will say, um, I know we were all very uh, grumbly about the the video floor last week. That was probably the best use of it. Was there? It looked cool. Test. It looked cool yeah. when when you know the Terrence Clark thing and then Jaime Hawkins yeah. had the, the Mexican flag uh over and I was I you know top five Mexicans of all the time just based off of that alone. Um so <laughs> uh so that part was cool. Um and but the rest of like the, the video floor thing was kind of weird, like when they were doing the three-point shootout, I don't know oh, how see, they I,
2: actually I don't know how they saw that. I like Stan corrected. I thought, you know, granted, I was watching it at a birthday party at a bar. But, like, yeah. I thought it I thought it looked pretty cool during the three-point contest. I was like, this is looking better than I expected it to. They were lighting it up, all these neon colors and everything. Yeah. Um, you know, not always the easiest to see what's happening. But I thought for effect. Maybe they don't need it. They They just, like, flash it at different times, you know? I just
3: don't know how you shoot with the with the light shooting up in your eyes like that uh yeah and i wonder if, if that impacted other people's performance i know we're, we're we want to get into the game itself how did y'all well besides the dunk contest what did y'all like i really liked i thought the best event of the whole weekend was steph versus sabrina uh yeah that, that was one cool. was just a lot of fun uh and like they they each had more points than the or eat more made baskets than the um than than Dame, uh, who won. Yeah. I think I think Sabrina tied it, but uh, both had at least twenty six. That was that was wonderful. I I was that do that
2: again. Yeah, do more. See, that's the thing is, I think if you can do some different stuff, be more creative yeah. than just hey, we're rolling out these stars who are kind of giving some effort, uh, no effort in the All Star game. Here's my question for you guys, because um, we're all slightly different ages. Like people were absolutely. Uh, losing their minds over the embarrassing lack of effort, and it's like almost a 400-point game, uh, the All-Star game itself. My entire life, all I remember is people talking about how goofy the All-Star game is and how stupid and meaningless it is. To the point where I was going back and I was watching mid-90s highlights of All-Star Games to go, am I misremembering this? And I think it's all relative. It's certainly slower paced (laughs) than ever before. There's never been defense in it. Even when people say, oh, in the first quarters in the 90s, guys would actually go hard. Come on. It's the All-Star Game. And I don't know how you fix it. Um, Maybe put different parameters on it for your scoring to this point. Maybe you just do the pro bowl thing that the NFL has done where you scrap the game altogether because guys just aren't going to try. But right. this whole this whole conversation around that it's an utter embarrassment to basketball, it was gross. It was lame. But it, to me, it's almost always been that way as I can remember. What about you guys?
3: I don't necessarily remember it being ultra competitive per se. Um but you go, and there is like the sort of there is certain lore around it where it's like, oh, when Michael Jordan like went off uh, in one of his first all-star games, that that's still a big moment. Um, and I mean, it 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 has been, even though like historically not competitive all the way through. I think the last few years where they instituted the Elam ending, where you know it's it's a target score. that worked. And I'm not sure why they went away from it here, because uh, it I think it's kind of clear now it with the way how the league is and how players are if you if you just try to make it a regular game like they it it just won't work you have to put some sort of incentive uh make you have to sort of uh, institute competitiveness in in the game um so i i think you i think one of the simple solutions here is just put back the eliminating that that makes the most sense
4: to me how about this if you want to completely modify the game kind of like the NFL did with kind of going the flag football route. What if they made it like a big three type of thing, like a three on three tournament? Yeah. You, you pool all that money, right? Because they all get a hundred thousand, I believe. The winning team you pool all that money together, and then that goes to the winning team. So you get there's more incentive money wise, and then also it's like that's going to bring like people that's going to bring out the competitive spirit. Like you look at the in season tournament, like people were inherently like competitive with that because there was something to prove there was something to play and like if you don't like i know the picking the starters is kind of a production so if you don't want to go for, away from that you still pick the starters but those are the captains so those guys then draft the reserves so if you have to expand the like the pool of all stars you do it but you'll still have your all star starters because that's an honor that's a production on TNT the league makes a big deal out of it And then you kind of make it a little bit more competitive. And I think fans will eat that up.
3: So it would be like 10 10 teams of three uh, on like a a what? And I guess you could split it between two days. Yeah, that that could make sense.
4: Yeah, 10 teams go to like 11. Like nothing crazy, but like just give some competitive nature. Like I don't know how many people watch the new Pro Bowl this year, but I mean, yeah, just a thought.
2: I think that sounds a little bit more like of what the NHL did, right? You yes. Know, they yeah. Three on three format and we're struggling with something similar at the end of the day. It's an exhibition match, you know, and so to pretend like it's something else. The other thing I would say is it's not really for us. <laughs> it's yeah. for it's it's a an honor. honorary weekend yeah. for players. And it's also uh, it's for little kids. Like a lot of it is for little kids who are into basketball. And so. I got to say, at some point, a six-year-old man who has been following the league for 50 years, it's, it may not be for that person.
3: Uh, it, it, the nuclear option I thought about, if you're Adam Silver, and I don't think, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with this, but do you make it, if you want to be about competitiveness, say who, whichever conference wins gets home court advantage in the finals? That team, no matter what team it is, that 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 conference gets the home court advantage.
2: This is the kind of ideas that I love because it's the same thing with the uh, in-season tournament. If you want this to have actual bearing, the only thing that you can do is either offer a lot of money and it would have to be a lot of money for what your all-stars already make, especially with the number of super max contract guys that routinely make it or it has some bearing on the playoffs which is the real thing, the real season that matters to these guys. I think that there would be a total cluster F, like just a storm <laughs> of controversy, but maybe that's something yeah. good. Like maybe that's what the league needs a little shake up. Forget changing the three point line or taking away corner yeah. threes or something. You know, we all of a sudden have some implication with the playoffs from all-star weekend.
3: I, 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 I think he could like just float it out there as a one He's like, listen, you do it. You do it the right way, or we're gonna do it my way and we'll and we'll we'll see which way, which we'll see which way you like better. Uh I that honestly that sounds more like a David Stern sort of a uh, iron fist move, but uh who
2: knows? Absolutely. And you'll do it with your shirts tucked in. Um <laughs> let's move on because Terp, you wrote a great article for WEI.com this week. Uh it was about 25 numbers that tell the story of the Celtic season so far. You're the stat master, so you threw out a ton of stats about illustrating uh, how good the Celtics have been for this first part of the season. I have to say my favorite stat here because it's just like so simple to illustrate who the Celtics have been you had in here a 99.9% chance for team to for the Celtics to finish first in the east which i like because it feels like there's some kind of company behind this stat that's saying legally you can't say there's a 100% chance you can only say 99.9 uh, and we will not be held liable for this uh I, I the east is just not threatening to me with the Celtics and it's not about seeding like i think they're going to be first in the east but other than the heat, which I think the Celtics have some kind of like, I don't know, they have a voodoo doll of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown or something uh, that Pat Riley is messing with. Like, other than that, I just we'll see what the Knicks this weekend. Turp, you're going to be there in New York in person. I can't wait to hear your account of it. I, all my uh, boogeymen for the Celtics live in the West. I'll put it that way
4: yeah they're 31 and 6 against eastern conference opponents 31 and 6 like that's incredible and one of those losses came against charlotte and that was the overtime loss which also happens to be their only loss against a sub 500 team it's like when i was looking through it i was like wow like i knew they were they were really good but i didn't notice like just how good they were especially in the eastern conference like yeah seven games is a lot but like they are really head and shoulders above the Eastern Conference. And I don't think anyone really saw it coming that way. Like, Milwaukee was a team that people kind of feared once they got Dame, and it just hasn't been that way. And I'm with you 100%. Like, all their boogeymen are in the West. And it, that's why this stretch of upcoming games is going to be so crucial.
3: Yeah. Was that the number that impressed you the, the most? Uh, TURP was, was their record against the East?
4: I think so. Yeah. When I, when I, cause like, I know they, like, they only have 12 losses. So, like, I knew a right. handful were on the West and a lot of them were on the road at the beginning of the year, but they've only lost three at home. But like, I thought the record against the East really impressed me. Cause like, that's impressive. Like they're that the East is like two through sevens, really, really close. And then Cleveland's obviously um, kind of climbing their way up. So I, that was the yeah. number that probably impressed me the most. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I think for me, uh, reading through that, uh, which we, again, it was, it was very well done. we well researched. I think it was the, at the time, because this was pre-All-Star, uh, plus uh, 556 point differential, which I is probably higher now after last night. Uh, largest in the NBA uh, at the time. Next highest team was the Timberwolves, uh, plus 399. Uh, that's nuts. That's nuts to be that far away from the second closest or from the closest team uh, with that just large of a margin of point differential. Um, I, I, that, I think that was the most eye popping thing that, that came out to me just like, wow, this team, uh, not only can score on you, will stop you from scoring. Um, yeah, that was, I, I think that is, uh, very foretelling of, of what they, they can do d- down the stretch.
2: And to give context, as we've talked about before, that stat is happening in a league where offense may be more high powered than ever before. I mean, we are like in the offensive glory days of the NBA. Uh, So check that out. If you haven't, go to WEI.com. Check out Justin Turpin's 25 numbers that – well, wait. Let me get this exactly right for you, Turp. 25 numbers that tell the story of the Celtics' season so far because it's really great. Um, That's it, And there's a lot more stats to crunch. But, Turp, as I just said, you're going to be at uh, Madison Square Garden on Saturday to see the Celtics and the Knicks, a a game that we have been looking forward to. Along with that, of these upcoming games, and Tarp, again, you just, you know, feet on the street. You've been doing the work this week, but you had a great tweet about how often the Celtics are going to be in primetime coming up, which we're all looking forward to. But of these matchups, which games are you most looking forward to for the Celtics to kind of get an indication of who they are. We've got Nuggets on March 7th. They host OKC in April. Uh, they're at the Cavs in March. They host the Knicks in April on my birthday, actually. Huh, might need to check that out. Uh, they play the Suns twice, and they play the Bucks twice, a home and away. Uh, out of those games, what are you guys looking at?
3: I uh, This is not something I think is... Uh, Something that can be quantified per se, and we sort of mentioned it with this idea that the Celtics boogeymen are in the West. Uh, but just looking at throughout their losses, the teams that they have seem to struggle with the most are Western contenders. Um, so I'm really interested in seeing. Okay, so they have the rematch against the Nuggets. Uh, they're going to have OKC here. How do they? How do they do, deal with those teams? Um, they they lost to both of them. I think that's for me again. It's I don't think it's a storyline or a thread say just something I've noticed that yeah like those teams um for whatever reason they they just have had hard times with and they're both very good so I think that to me uh, is gonna be really interesting and I think they're their games against the Cavs and the Knicks just because those are the two teams right now I feel like are the most threatening to them in the East Milwaukee it, Given all of the context, uh, the discussion around Doc Rivers this week is in a weird place. Um, so I, I think I, I would say, yeah, Nuggets and OKC, okay, those, those are the games that are like you circles like this could be a
0: finals preview right here. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the name your price tool from Progressive.
4: A lot can happen between falling in love with a house and owning it. Having an advocate who can help you navigate negotiations, timelines, inspections, and more can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you, because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. And I think one people might be overlooking is that one when the Warriors come to town on Sunday. I think it's March 2nd. The Golden State Warriors come to town. And I know they're, I think, one game above 500. They've been struggling but that's a team that beat you earlier in the year in December. And obviously that's been your big brother. Like that's a team you haven't been able to figure out since the 2022 finals, even last year when they played at TD garden, that went into overtime and it's a game that really shouldn't have went into overtime. Steph Curry did his thing. They kind of turned it back, turned the tide. So I think that's another one really that stretch of golden state, at uh, at home against Golden State, then to Cleveland, which is the two seed, then at Denver. That's a tough three-game stretch, and I think that's going to tell a lot about this team.
2: Absolutely, especially because if you look at last year, you started to see a similar kind of fall-off in February, and then the the slide really came in March. That's when the wheels came off of what was looked like a bona fide championship contender uh, at the beginning of last season. I think it's just got to be OKC for me. Like we talked about this weeks and weeks ago. What will it take for OKC to really have more of a national platform or more of a a higher profile is maybe the better way to say that. And I'm excited to see SGA like I just I I love a matchup that is two greats going up against each other that you don't get to see a lot. And so seeing Tatum and SGA kind of duke it out to me, that's my number one. But, you know, hey, we got spoils of riches coming up. It it feels like the playoffs are a thousand years away, but there's a lot of good stuff in between. And we will be covering it all with you. Anything that you guys want to add? Young Terp, I'm a little nervous about you going to Manhattan for your first time as a full-blown adult. I know you're working, but just, you know, keep in mind just because the bars stay open until 4 a.m., you do not need to be there. Until four AM, okay. That's right. That's Take right. it easy. Take it in stride. Remember, this is you'll be back. I promise.
4: I did want to just want add one thing. You mentioned the national spotlight for Oklahoma City. Can you believe that Boston OKC game is not nationally televised? It's a travesty. Can uh, we? I mean, that's do they, insane. Can we flex this,
3: right? The upcoming one.
4: Yeah, the upcoming one. Well, they just flexed the Cleveland one, so they can flex it. I I would have to think that one gets flexed, right? Like
3: we've had, we already had this season. discussion before.
4: This is crazy. Like, like, how is that not because OPC just isn't in primetime? They have to be after after this year. I think like we'll see a lot of changes in that. But like that's that's crazy. They haven't flexed that yet because like since December, like we've been talking that this is a potential finals preview, and it still hasn't been flexed. But they flexed the Cleveland one, so I yeah, guess we'll see.
2: There are two pet causes for the Slam podcast it is respect for Derek White's name and. Get OKC into prime time.
4: Yes. <laughs> yes. I don't know
2: why OKC is a pet project of a Celtics podcast, but that's where we are.
3: I like it. Uh, the last thing I'll add. Uh, I have to say maybe my favorite thing from this week was bored Jason Tatum on Twitter. Uh, he's had a couple of great tweets where he like retweeted Ronaldinho in his uh, jersey. Y'all see this on Survivor no. Turkey? Apparently Ronaldinho, the soccer legend, made an appearance and he was in a full Jason Tatum uniform, which was weird. But then my favorite one uh, just for a few days ago, uh, Spurs Muse tweeted out list of players with 15 plus all stars, 15 plus all NBA appearances and 15 uh, all defensive uh, teams. one person, Tim Duncan. Tatum retweets it just with the the caption uh, him Duncan. So my two universes uh, crossing over there it was a uh, shout out shout out Jason Tatum, who knew uh, a huge Tim Duncan fan
2: Well, he gets the comparisons a lot, right? With the way that his that well the way that he carries himself I should yeah, say. yeah that, that, that makes sense leadership style his yeah, leadership very, style very is yeah very laid back Tim Duncan ask that's what when people ask can Tatum be a leader look at Tim Duncan that's a whole other conversation I'm sure we'll have it on this podcast so keep on listening um, wherever you found us today you can continue to find us but YouTube Odyssey app Spotify uh, follow us on Twitter well, we're not on the Instagram but we will be on the Instagram.